the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Well, welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Again, those of you used to this show, uh, this show is in two parts, not necessarily equal parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about either politics, history, religion, nostalgia. And we're going to be talking about almost all those things tonight. First, we're going to have Father Paul back from the Middle East, from Lebanon. How are you Yay. doing today, Father? Hello, hello. Uh, thanks to uh, to you. I'm still alive. Thanks to your <laughs> well, prayers. I don't think it's due so to me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you. I love. Okay. And of course, Beth is here. Hi, everybody. Our angel, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have a question for you, Father. You ever see a movie called The Howling? No. No. Okay. Such well, a horrible... Horrible person. It's a horror show. Yeah. Oh. It's a horror it's show. It's about werewolves. Oh, and we're going to have the star of that show on toward the very end with a brief interview, Dee Wallace. Okay. She was also an E.T. If you remember E.T., she was the mother. Yes. Oh, yes. So she was the mother in that. She was in playing that. E.T. Or, or a boy? She, she was playing the mother. <laughs> She's oh, the, the mother. mama. Oh. Okay. The mother. Okay. So I got it. So I now, Beth just showed up a couple minutes ago, so we weren't sure where we were going. So I think Michael, my son, is set up to ask the first question, email question of the night. So, Michael, what's the question? Hey, everyone. All right. Um, Our email question tonight is from Sally in Queens. Dear Mr. Connors, do I need a lawyer to sell real estate in New York? What would happen to the property I own if I were to pass away without a will? Thank you very much. Okay. Well, first, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, in New York, you do need a lawyer to sell real estate. And I can tell you right now that if I wanted to record a deed, I don't know how to do it. I'd have to go to my paralegals <laughs> because everything's on a computer right now. You've got to register it with the city, get a number, then record it later. It is complicated to sell real estate in New York. I know in other states and a lot of other states you don't need a lawyer to sell real estate, but in New York, unfortunately, you do. Now, if you didn't have a will and you passed away and you had real estate in your name alone, that real estate would pass to your next of kin by law, which if you're married would be your spouse. If you have children, would be your children. If you don't have a spouse and children, you have grandchildren, would be go to your grandchildren. If you don't have children, grandchildren, you're not married, it would go to your parents. And sometimes that leads to problems because we have 60-year-old single people in New York don't have a will and they leave their assets to their parents. If you don't have parents, it would go to your brothers and sisters, half-brothers and sisters. 
If one of your brothers and sisters passes away, nephews and nieces. If you don't have nephews and nieces or closer relatives, your cousins, which causes a lot of problems in some cases. And if you don't have cousins or first cousins once removed, then it could go to New York State. All right, so let's uh, – we got Christy in Queens. Yes, Christy, what's your question? Hi, I was um, just wondering if my sister goes ahead and makes me the godmother to my niece, yes. does that also mean that I get the guardianship if something ever happened to my sister and my brother-in-law? No. Uh, a god, a godmother, godfather – is really not a legal term at all. Yes, if you recognize you baptism, you usually have a, a godmother or godfather, but that is not a legal title at all. In order to appoint a guardian for a minor child, you have to do it in New York. You have to do it in one of two ways. One, you can do it by will. In your will, you say, I appoint so-and-so, let's say Christy, to be the guardian of any minor children that I may leave. And, of course, you could have guardian of the person and guardian of the property. You could have two different people. Or you can do it by deed, which is almost never done, but it is allowed under New York State law. In other words, you would do a deed, and you would say, I appoint so-and-so to be guardian of my minor children, get it notarized, record it with the county clerk. So those are the two ways to do it. Most people do it by will. Uh, being a godmother or godfather has no legal standing whatsoever. So, Okay. You know. Okay? All right, okay. we have— Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know if I can read the name. What's the, what's the name, James Grayston? Garcetti. Garcetti. Okay, Garcetti. What's your question? Mark, yeah, Garcetti on the island. I had a question Garcetti, about okay. uh, power of attorney. Uh, two things. First, about power of attorney. Is it, uh, does it have to be notarized? Yes, the power of attorney has to be notarized. And the uh, lawyer, if the lawyer later was in, uh, could it be on the lawyer's stationery or just regular papers? As long as regular stationery would be, would be, be fine. Would be by an attorney. It doesn't have to be witnessed by an attorney, but it does have to be witnessed by two people and notarized. So, you know, that's New York State law. I had a qu another question, Mike. I want to let you know that there's some good news. Our American Marine brother is going to receive an answer from this VA about disability, physical disability, in a matter of days. And there's no... Well, sorry, I guess we lost... Garcetti there. All right. Well, we got George in Rigo Park. So, George, what's your question? Hey, Mr. C. How you doing? Uh, yeah, okay. I got a quick question. Uh, my uh, my grandma, like some years back, she uh, deeded over the property to uh, to my mother. And uh, I was just wondering, is it true that when my mom sells the house, she doesn't got to pay any taxes? Is it true that when your mom sells the house, she doesn't have to pay any taxes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, if it was a straight gift, then your mother may have to pay taxes on the difference between what your grandparents paid for the house and what your mother sells it for. Of course, if there were, if it was in a trust agreement or through a life estate. Uh, yeah, no, no, they got that thing on the deed, the life estate. Okay, so if it's a life estate, ordinarily, when, let's say, the parent dies, the child can sell the house tax-free in New York State. There's no death tax today in New York State under $5,500,000. And the federal amount happens to be $11 million now, thanks to our, you know, the laws that were passed just a couple of weeks ago. So there's no death tax in New York under $5.5 million. As far as the federal government is concerned, there's no tax under $11 million. Capital gains are wiped out on assets that are held in a trust or real estate that's held in a trust or through a life estate. So hopefully, the, you know, there's no tax. So good luck, George.
All right. Thank you, Mr. C. Okay, so we got a little bit of a rush there, so with different calls or whatever. But, Beth, do you have another uh, email question? I do. I don't know if any, did everyone hear when Michael called in Otto? I hope you heard Otto barking in the background. All right. This is from Erica in Brooklyn. Hi, Mike. I don't understand why if I have a will and my will says that my two kids will get the house when I die, then why will they have to go through probate? Well, that's a question we get all the time. Under New York State law, if there are assets in your name alone when you pass away, those assets ordinarily have to go through court. If you have a will, it goes through probate. If you don't have a will, it goes through court administration, like we talked on one of the first callers, what happens if I die without a will in my house. The problem is if you want to sell your house, the title company who's going to insure title for the person who buys your house is going to want to know who owns the house. And your will, if it is not approved by a court, is really just a piece of paper. In order to transfer assets through a will, you have to file it in the surrogate's court. The surrogate's court has to review the will. The surrogate's court has to ensure that all the persons who are next of kin have received a copy of the will. Because, you know, there are people out there who do forge documents. There are people out there who will lie about their relatives. So if you have assets in your name alone when you pass away, those assets ordinarily would have to go through court. They have to go to probate. And that's why ordinarily if we own real estate, what we want to accomplish, we want to put those assets in a trust. And a trust is really not that complicated. It's a family contract. It's your house as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it goes, like in this case, to your two children. It works like a lot of people think a will should work. Unlike a will, which has to go to court, your children cannot sell a house that goes through probate if it's in your name alone unless a judge says it's okay. If you put your house in a trust, that's a family contract. It's your house as long as you're alive. It works like a bank account that's in trust for. The children can sell the property, sell the house a few days after you're gone with a death certificate. And a lot of people want to do a trust to avoid probate on the house, get it out tax-free, like in reference like to George's question in there about his mother inheriting the house from his grandmother, get it out tax-free. And, of course, we talked about death taxes. Death taxes are getting to be a thing of the past. But, you know, there are people in New York that occasionally have more than $5 million worth of assets, and New York State really socks it to you if you're just slightly over $5,500,000. Because in New York State, if you're over $5,500,000, New York State taxes your entire state, not just the amount over $5.5 million. So if you're close to $5 million in assets, you need to do some estate planning. If you're not close to $5 million in assets, then maybe you want to talk to us at some point about saving those assets from a nursing home because that's one of the things the trust can do. It can save your house from a nursing home. Now, we need to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Adult stem cell research is nothing new. It has been going on for decades and, in fact, has proven helpful in treating various diseases. In the process of this research, nobody has to be killed in order to obtain the stem cells. Embryonic stem cell research, on the other hand, only began in 1998 and does involve killing a new human life in order to obtain the cells. The number of diseases that have been successfully treated with embryonic stem cells is zero. They have shown no medical benefit. 
And even if they did, such activity is immoral. The end does not justify the means. Adult stem cells have treated various forms of leukemia, sickle cell disease, anemia, and carcinoma. Embryonic stem cells have succeeded in nothing. This is Father Frank Lavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500 or visit their website connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, again, welcome back to Ask the Lawyer. With me right now, I've got my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And Father Paul from Lebanon. Hello, everyone. And we're going to be starting to talk to Father Paul in a few minutes, but let's get some of our questions out of the way. And first, we'll, we'll take another email question, and then, James, if we can hear Kevin McCullough's question in a couple of minutes. All right. This question is from Suzanne, who lives in Nassau. Hi. My mother needs help. She has my brother living with her, but he's disabled. She doesn't have much income, and I can't afford to pay for someone to come and take care of her. He owns a house. And has about $20,000 in the bank. I'm sorry, bank. he owns a house? Yeah. It's an unusual the question. The disa- disabled brother owns a house. Okay. That's what, that's what it says. It says he owns a house and has about $20,000 in the bank. What should I do? Well, again, a lot depends on, I guess, what mom's assets are. But um, we probably want to put the house in a trust because if the brother is disabled, we want to protect the assets from his future bills. And, of course, we can also put some protection for mom that she can't get thrown out of the house through the trust agreement. And then depending on what mom's assets are, mom, if she if she's over 65 and she has less than $15,000 in the bank, she can apply for home care Medicaid in New York to help pay for home care bills, and she can hire almost anybody, including family members. And in today's world, you get paid about $13 an hour, but you get good benefits. Um, now, Let's say mom has $100,000 in her name, or let's say the house is in mom's name, and we misread the question or mistyped it up. Uh, we can put the house in a trust today. We can put, let's say, of the 100000 we can put $90,000 in a trust today, and we can apply for home care Medicaid in New York on March 1st. And I know some people back there say, well, doesn't it take five years to be eligible for Medicaid? It takes five years to be eligible for nursing home Medicaid but it's month-to-month for home care Medicaid. And also, if you have a child who lives in the same house with you, as far as the house is concerned, there's no five-year look-back period. There is. You have to make sure the child lives in the house. Or if you have a disabled child, 
there's no five-year penalty period. So any transfers to a disabled child are exempt. So if mom has assets and she puts it in trust for her disabled son, she can protect those assets from her nursing home bills immediately. There will be a five-year look-back period, but there is no penalty on transfers to a disabled child. And again, you know, sometimes the law, people say, you know, when, sometimes when I repeat it or consultations, they say it's confusing. To me, it's really not that confusing, but that's all I do for a living. And if you want to come in and talk it over, you're more than welcome to do it. Now, I think a lot of you know each week on the Kevin McCullough Show, we take one of our email questions, and Kevin McCullough reads it to his audience on each Thursday night, roughly usually about 5.30. So, James, do we have the Kevin McCullough question of the week? Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every Thursday we tell you that uh, Mike Connors will come and answer one of your questions if it regards uh, elder law or state law. And uh, the reason is he's one of the very best in the entire country at uh, knowing these things, particularly for people of the tri-state. And he's back with us. Uh, This week, Mike, someone writes, uh, Jonathan actually from Flushing writes, uh, I was told that I need a special needs trust for my disabled son who happens to be 42 years of age. What exactly does that mean? Well, I'm going to assume that the son is, not, is mentally disabled to the point where he can't manage his own assets. So ordinarily, if you leave assets to somebody who's disabled, if they're on Medicaid or they collect other benefits, we want to set up what's called a special needs trust, which means somebody else, usually a family member, manages the assets for that disabled person. And in that way, they can keep their benefits. And in most cases, if you're setting up the trust, you can change the beneficiaries, or you can leave whatever's left in the trust after that person's gone to, let's say, your other children or or whomever, so you have complete control. But you do need somebody else to manage the assets for that disabled child. It's a way of leaving that child some assets. They keep their benefits, and your assets are protected. All right. Sounds like it uh, is a good plan. And, friends, if you've got more questions about a special needs trust, maybe for one of your disabled family members or a state law or elder care, it's a great time to call. Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan, 718-238-6500 is the phone number. That's 718-238-6500. You can also reach him via email, mikeconnors at gmail.com. That's mikeconnors at gmail.com. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. All right, and again, Kevin McCullough can be heard on this station, 970 The Answer, Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock. So tune in. Now, Father Paul, we put you on the sidelines there. Oh, I have no idea about taxes and all that <laughs> stuff. I That's okay. <laughs> now, I love you guys because I would never do this to myself. I have no idea. Now, Father Paul is a medical doctor. Yeah, He's what are you a, doing? You know, what, yeah. what are, I do a bunch of different stuff. But <laughs> yeah. You law. don't have to know taxes. No, yeah. I don't have to. But I have you, so right. in case I'm in trouble. And I think soon you have to pay taxes, like April 1st. Oh, the, April 15th, Everybody's yeah. gearing up for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, some of my friends are, like, traumatized at my you because it's... It's all about paper collections now. Um, Well, happy Lent, because we just started our very first um, moment of Lent time, uh, which is kind of particular. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm very proud of of, uh, the UK government, um, because they recently woke up and uh, realized that they accepted very few Christian refugees and they want to extend the the list and they want to do even more. And and I think Archbishop of Canterbury um, also was very, um, very strong about that. And he actually, his statement, his his, uh, uh, presentation about Christian refugees from the Middle East, I think uh, 
made a huge impact on on the UK UK government. So uh, looks like statistics may may um, may be different now because you, as you know, the US government um, accepted twelve thousand Syrian refugees, um, and in that number we also have. Um, mm, 11,000 uh, Muslim families, 68 Christian families. No, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. And, and ah. 24 Yazidis. So those statistics are kind of upsetting. But I th- it looks like the UK government is, is doing a little bit more, and, and, and I'm really happy about that. So it's, it's a very happy land time for me because finally, especially in Europe, um, which is like a very first zone where all those refugees are trying to get to, um, somebody finally, uh, you know... Um, um, step in and, and said there is something wrong and, and I'm, I'm very very happy about that so I'm sharing the good news with you because it's all that's good wonderful news. that's a blessing now, yes. some of the people in the audience don't know who you are now one you're a capuchin <laughs> friar <laughs> yes, so I'm a what is that friar. Uh, yeah what's that it's, it's a very uh, very interesting subculture no I'm kidding <laughs> my father used to think who are they who are those people when I told him I'm going to be a capuchin friar um, so a capuchin order is a Franciscan order so our boss is St. Francis from Assisi and as you know, our Pope Francis, he decided to have a name from, uh, um, taken from St. Francis from Assisi. Uh, so I'm a Franciscan Capuchin friar, and um, uh, we, do, we do actually um, a lot of things, I would say, at the same time, um, not just here in America, but um, around the globe. But, you know, a Franciscan movement itself, it's a very positive, it's very peaceful, it's very, I would say, very easygoing movement where we're just trying to find out um, how can we manage our spirituality day by day and, and, and still be, you know, smiling Christians. Because I don't know why many Christians are very serious and they, they, they look very serious in the church. So sometimes I ask myself, did somebody force them to be here? Or um, So I think Franciscan movement, uh, um, which I'm um, a part of, it's a, it's a very positive um, capuchin uh, order oriented um, manifestation of faith. Okay, you know what? I think we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. 
Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Okay, well, again, welcome back. I've been ordered by my wife, Beth, that I have to turn the microphone over to her. No, because I want everybody to know these numbers. Okay, wait. The numbers of of people during the Obama administration, the, the refugees from the Middle East... Where did you get those numbers? Oh, from the State Department websites. It's there are like public records. Okay, you would you please give them. people those numbers oh, again? Oh, I'd love to. Yes, I, I, yeah, I was using those numbers just to to, to share with with you kind of a joyful message about the UK administration, uh, United Kingdom government, but um, US um, in 2016 and 17. Accept, admitted a total of 12,587 Syrian refugees. Um, and um, so we have to ask ourselves, so how many like Muslim families, how many Christian families? So the numbers are uh, from 12,587 Syrian refugees, 12,486 Muslim families, only 68 Christian families, and only 24 Yazidis. Those are numbers. And what people, I mean... The Christians and the Yazidis were the ones that they were trying Persecu- to exterminate. True. They're, they're, yeah, they were persecuted day by day on a daily basis. And, and my kind of frustration was like, um, as you remember, I think a few months ago we were talking about that, that uh, uh, not even one Muslim country accepted uh, Muslim refugees like, like Dubai, like, like Pakistan, like, like Yemen or, or Saudi Arabia. They, 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 they actually did nothing about about their own uh, brothers and sisters. So uh, Christians actually are the real refugees of the Middle East right. because that's, that's what's, what, what's happening. And uh, uh, I think that compassion during the Lent time, uh, that compassion has to be really visible and, and almost like palpable in a way that we have to uh, kind of stand um, stand up and say there is something wrong. So that's why I was, I was very excited about the UK government's decision that they, they want to... Um, uh, accept more Christian refugees from the Middle East, but you know statistics are still very, very upsetting. To be God honest, God bless you. the UK. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. And the European Parliament, uh, uh, you know, it's a very interesting institution. The European Parliament, uh, with a headquarters in Brussels, in Belgium, because they actually they try to run away, run away from from any kind of political statements about about religious um, uh, persecution. 
but they actually admitted that uh, we have almost one million just Christian refugees. So if the U.S. accepted 12,500, and, on, and in, that, in those numbers we only have 68 Christian families. It's not even 6,800. It's 68 families. I brought 17 families over two years. I was just saying, you just you brought... 17 uh, families. So it's about 200 people. But the thing is, if you have a budget, if you have a, a, you know, a, uh, possibilities, if you have a compassion for those people, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be labeled. You just, you just help whoever needs to be you know, um, protected. And I think Yazidis, Christians, they're actually the, the most persecuted uh, gr- religious group in, in the Middle East now. And uh, so, you know, there is a kind of awakening in, in, in the European politics now. And I think also German, uh, um, whatever happened in Germany, I think that actually helped people to understand why don't we accept more Christians? It's culturally, religiously, they're way closer to our European traditions and the Muslim uh, tradition. So um, I would say that um, th- there's hope. There's hope. Um, should, I, uh, should I be more optimistic? Well, I'll do my best. But uh, for now in Europe, we have only only um, one country who, who who's actually openly talking about those Christian refugees that they need home as well. So, uh, I mean, praise the Lord for, for the UK, UK government. That's yeah. All right. Now, yeah. again, Father, again, some people that listen to the show, they know exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. But let's give a little bit more background because uh, where is your where is your mission right now? So my mission is between Lebanon and Jordan, since refugees from Syria are in two locations, Jordan, Amman, and Lebanon, Beirut. Um, so every medical equipment that we try to, we try to help uh, people with uh, goes to our refugee camp in Beirut and refugee camp in, in Amman. So and the location is, is actually close by. It's like six hours uh, per, uh, by, by car, so it's not that far. But uh, since uh, Syrian refugees... Uh, uh, Lebanese government, they couldn't accept more because now they have like uh, 1.5 million refugees from Syria. And Lebanon is just about 4 million people. It's a very uh, very slow, uh, very um, very um, uh, very small country. And, and Jordan accepted almost 1 million and, and 300. So, so those two locations uh, for me, especially from, from, um, from the refugee um, perspective, those locations for me, is, this is my home. I mean, Jordan and, and Lebanon at the same time. And, you know, we, we, we try to bring them everything we can, uh, um, medications, equipment, a little bit of hope, uh, joy, uh, English uh, teachers, uh, French uh, language teachers, German language teachers, just to <coughs> make or kind of, I would say, make those people, um, f- help them to feel that, you know, no, no one is it's against them or they're not abandoned. So, and, and language training is also very important. Kids are actually very in a very dangerous position because, you know, in, especially in Syria, 50,000 kids died. 50,000 children. Over the past year? Over, or the, over the past two years. Past two years. Because of the civil war. We don't hear those numbers in the mainstream media. Why? Because it's, you know, everything is politicized these days. Another thing is that in the refugee camp, there is a lot of situations where, where kids are not... Uh, like you know, um, their health is is declining because it's you know it's all about germs, it's about humidity, lack of uh, water, lack of uh, medications. So uh, I would say um, that um, the adult world uh, they can survive because they, they 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 have their own skills. But if you have a child and he lost his parents two years ago, 
So we have to we have to also think how should we help that poor kid. And also what's very dangerous in Syria now that uh, some of those kids, they join army as a soldier, uh, child soldiers. We've had that situation in, 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 in Africa years ago, and, and, and I, I presume it's, it's still an issue in Africa. But in Syria now, uh, you, you, may, you, you, can have, you are like seven, eight years old, and you are um, forced to, to join the, the ISIS army just because uh, you're the only one who can fight for. Um, and it's also what's, what frustrates me even more that um, we talk about how to help refugees and Christians, but we barely talk how to end up that that civil war in in, in Syria since since that's that's the main that's the main reason why we have all those refugees. Well, I know it's 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 all morphed, but mm. who's fighting whom right now in Syria? Very good question. Um, well, the government, I mean, the Syrian government and President um, Assad, he thinks that he he fights against um, against rebels. Um, a Russian government, they try to help the Syrian government to fight against rebel. Kurds at the same time, they think that they're kind of also massacred or persecuted by the Syrian government because they're minorities. So it looks like Syria now is like uh, it's a combination of different zones under different governments, like local governments. And I don't think that the that Syrian president has the power to control the whole country because it, it that's not going to happen. It's too late. It's divided. The whole Syria is divided into like small, uh, small, not just religious different communities, but especially politically involved. So um, looks like everyone wants to end the war, but no one is talking about it. They still they're buying guns, they're buying equipment. There's a whole market for 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 that and. Uh, even though we have some some sanctions, somehow those people they have a very sophisticated uh, uh, military equipment, you know, to to keep going that civil war. So that's also for me it's very interesting to see. So w- who who decides who who's the one behind that scenario? Because I'm not like a crazy uh, crazy guy, but I think um, in in my mind I have my own theory that somebody is behind that because that's. That's what war is. It's all about how you can you can uh, make a point. You can use people. You can manipulate them. Uh, and you know, especially young people, they're uneducated, so it's very easy to manipulate them. So ISIS, and also what drives me crazy, every time they change their, their names, one day it's ISIS, another day it's ISIL, another day rebels. So people are also confused, you know, and they have your perfect right to be confused. But ISIS—they're all—they're uh, uh, all criminals, for for God's sake, because they're killing people. And and also, what I found very interesting, Muslim, the Muslim uh, community in Syria—they actually run away from Syria from their own brothers and sisters. So there is kind of uh, there is kind of. Uh, uh, a strange situation now uh, that uh, you know if you if you have to run away from your own brother or sister there's something wrong going on some someone is behind it and then someone someone wants to uh, wa- someone has to um, or goes for that uh, for that um, I would say social disconnection and and that military training to to make a point and and kids are actually the the, the group uh, now the most persecuted. Now, just to, you know, a lot of times we hear about Shia and Sunni, and some it gets a little confusing for some Americans. Can you explain the difference? It's very easy, uh, my friends. Um, mm-hmm. When Prophet Muhammad died, 
you know, every single family, they, they want to have power. So one family split into two different groups um, saying, oh, we will continue his legacy. So the other part of the same family said, no, we will continue his legacy. And that's how they split. Sunni and Shia. So it was all about power again, and I, we have those situations uh, even now, 21st century. But the, the split was about who's gonna uh, uh, keep that power like forever. And you know, Shia and Sunni, they they are divided now because they still think they're like they keep the real legacy of the Prophet Muhammad. So so that's why that that um, those differences and and uh, and that uh, never-ending uh, fight over power. Yes. So in a lot of times, there's more antagonism between the Shia and the Sunni than between them and the West. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. Well, you know, it's interesting because we don't see it from the outside because it's happening inside, and they talk, they don't talk about it. But, you know, uh, Iran will never be a, 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 a best friend with Saudi Arabia. Uh, what's going on in Yemen that shows us how Saudi Arabia is doing, the, uh, you know, whatever they can to, to destroy their country. So, of course, uh, from the inside, looks they're, they're all divided. But from the outside, they want to keep that image. They are very, like, united because, you know, it's a force. It's, it's a power. But actually, they are very divided. And, and there's a lot of also small groups uh, within the, the, the Shia or Sunni movements that they, they, they try to uh, gain their own, uh, you know, identity. So it's, it's kind of aggressive, to be honest with you. And in the middle of that, you have Christians. And they have no power. They have no military equipment because they have no money. Um, uh, Lebanon was a Christian country. It's over. Uh, now you have, uh, in Germany, you have situation that uh, female policemen, sh- she's afraid of, of, of asking questions in some neighborhoods because uh, those refugees are very aggressive against her because she's a woman and they have th- kind of different mentality. So somehow, suddenly, there's like kind of a question, what went wrong? And, and Christians who are in the middle of, of, those, of, those, of that situation, of those conflicts, the, the, they're actually the, the most persecuted group. Uh, and, and finally, European Parliament acknowledged that because for years, at least last five, six years, they were like, oh, no, it's going to be okay, it's going to be fine, we'll do something about it. And now they say a million people, a million Christians are, uh, flee the country. Finally, somebody put some numbers in Brussels, in Belgium. So, so that's why I think there is hope because uh, uh, at the beginning of this land time, you know, the UK government said, "Okay, let's let's do something more for Christians." President Donald Trump, during his campaign, he was talking about uh, Christians that we have to take care of them. So he publicly publicly admitted that um, we have to do something about it. The UK government now try to they try to change their own policy. The European Parliament is is talking about Christian and persecuted groups. So so there is hope, but I think here in America, just we have to remember one thing. We have six million Christians in the Middle East. That's a lot of people. Six million, the whole Middle East. So if you, if you want to help them, just, just remember those numbers. Because Middle East, it's not just about Islam. We have Christian communities. Well, Jesus Christ is from Middle East, for God's sake. So, so just knowing those numbers, you have to always remember these people are trying to make their day every day. And it's not easy at all. So if we can, uh, I know the thoughts and praise are very important, but if you can do something, if you, if you, I don't know, if you, if you know a Christian family uh, from your cousin who, who fled Lebanon in late 60s or 70s, help them to, to, to come to the United States. Why not? I mean, I think there's a moment we have to finally do something 
uh, um, meaningful and, and help those people to, to come here or to a different country because thoughts and prayers are perfect, but sometimes you have to step in and do something more. Are, are they safe there? We need to take there? a short break. Oh, I'm sorry. We need to take a short break. Okay. Then we're going to be talking to Dee Wallace, and then we'll have a couple of minutes at the end. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man, but there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is D. Wallace, and in my opinion, they're two great werewolf movies, The Original Wolfman with Lon Chaney and The Howling with D. Wallace, and we're very happy to have D. Wallace on our show today. How are you doing? I'm awesome, and thank you for that, that nice comment, so I appreciate that. Of course, that's not the only film you did. You did Cujo and E.T. and Critters and I don't know how many other films, but... Uh, you're, you're... Yeah, I've got about 250 credits now. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're just saying you've got a... A film out on Netflix right now, Red Christmas? Yes. I just love this film. I shot it in Australia. It's a Christmas horror film. It's very campy. But it also it also addresses a lot of very important issues um, in society. It's It's kind of a crazy mixture of a lot of things for a horror film. But it's really well done worked with all the top actors from Australia, and uh, you guys are going to like it. If you like horror films, you're going to like this film. Okay. We'll have to take a look at it then. You've got a, a series coming out on Amazon, Just Add Magic. What's about that? Well, it's been on for a, a couple of seasons now. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can go on and download it, um, binge watch it. It's actually a, a really beautifully done family show. And um, it's 
targeted at ages six to about 15, but the whole family really loves it. It's about a magic cookbook. I play my first grandmother role. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a really weird, it's got a huge following, guys. Just a huge, huge following on Amazon Prime. So if you want, if you're looking for something that you can sit down and watch with your kids and your family, it's a it's a good choice. And you were talking about another project coming out, uh, horror film again. Yes, uh huh. I have a film called Death House that Regal Cinemas is uh, releasing um, countrywide in February. So check your local theaters. And what's it about? Without giving us, uh, you know. Death House is uh, is literally about this facility where um, a lot of well, okay, let me see. How can I say this without giving it away? A lot of homeless and and deranged and and dangerous people are taken to this place to see if we can actually find a way to eliminate. Um, evil. Hmm. But in trying to eliminate evil, we do things that are probably more evil than the evil itself. You've been in a lot of horror films or The Howling and, well, even Cujo is, is kind of like a horror film. you got a monster there of sorts. The Frighteners, Supernatural. How did you get involved in these roles? Were you just the right person at the right time? Well, you know, I'm a good screamer, and I'm a good crier, and I love emotional stuff, and I love playing big arcs. And horror films just kind of lend themselves to all those things that I love. Did I go looking for them? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, when you're a beginning actor and they call you for a film like The Hills Have Eyes, the original Hills Have Eyes, you know, and it's a lead part, you don't go, oh, wait, do I really want to hook myself into horror films? No. <laughs> you go, ah, I got a part. <laughs> it's the beginning of my career, you know? So so that's all, it's all exciting then. And, and, and then, of course, I did 10, which is not a horror film, and E.T., which is not a horror film, although it lends, lends itself to the sci-fi horror, you know, genre. So I've kind of been all over the map, but, yeah, I, I attract a lot of horror films and I I like I like doing all that big emotional arc stuff. I, I get really bored playing Hi, how are you? Gee, let's go to the store. Are you okay today, sweetheart? kind of thing. <laughs> you know? It it doesn't rock my boat as an actress as much. Let me ask you a question. When you see yourself back in the films, let's say like Ten or The Howling or something like that, how how do you feel watching yourself years ago? You know, I I have to say most of the time I'm able to just go along for the ride now and watch the movie. Yeah, sometimes I still critique myself. And a lot of times I will look at a movie from back then and go, oh, DC, you need to get back to that. You need to get back to that purity and that place where you didn't know what you were doing or going to do, right? You didn't have a plan. You were in the moment. Uh, I do that a lot because I've done a lot of TV now, and TV kind of begs you to, unfortunately anymore, not take the risk 
that most actors love to take um, when when they're really in the moment. Films, yeah. TV, not so much. So I've really got to, whenever I go in for a film, I've got to give myself permission to go all the way and be brave and be ballsy and try stuff because they, you know, they really pull you back on from doing that on TV. Now, my producer tells me you have a radio show on, on the West Coast and you talk about healing. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, yeah, I actually, it goes uh, um, out over the Internet worldwide. I have a lot of clients, Australia and China and New Zealand and Switzerland. and <clears throat> But it's a free call-in show. I'm a clear audience channel, so um, I receive information. My my greatest gift is to be able to reach into somebody's energy and pull out where their blocks are from making money or um, creating satisfying relationships or health issues because all our health issues start in our energy first and then show up in our bodies. So people, it's a free call in. People can call in and go, gee, I, you know, I think I want money and I'm doing everything I think right, but I'm not creating any more money in my life. And, you know, give me some guidance from the channel and where am I out of alignment with what I think I want. It's incredibly empowering work. I, I could do it 24 uh, seven. Right now I have a, a special on for people who want to come in in relationship to another person, whether it's, whether it's parent and child or your significant other or an employee and, in, and their employer or friends to, because we come together in relationships usually to work on the same or very similar issue from totally different perspectives. And when you can understand why you came together to work on certain things, man, the relationship just takes off just like a light. It's amazing to watch. So it, it, it's something I could do every moment of my life with great joy and be totally satisfied. Now, how do people contact you? How, how, how do people ask you the questions? Um, I have a website. I am D. Wallace, A.M. D-E-E, Wallace.com. And um, on the homepage, there's a way to email me, uh, set up private sessions. I've got a lot of free stuff on my website if you want to go in and check out free stuff, um, see if it is a fit to you. But, you know, basically it's a, it's a really great combination of spirituality and brain science and teaching you the responsibility of taking your own um, energy and directing it and focusing it on exactly what you want. Got one last question for you. If somebody, if okay. you were telling somebody, what is the best performance of D. Wallace? What what should they watch? Cujo, hands down. Cujo, hands down. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. Short I, answer. I thought you'd say a little bit more about it. Well, you know, I feel like I went as far as I could go, as truthfully as I could go there in every moment of that film. And, of course, I love E.T., and, of course, I love The Howling, but Cujo asked me to dig down and go to places and stay in places and feel places 
so far beyond anything else I've ever done. It, it was a, a huge challenge, and I'm extremely proud of my work in that film. You have a right to be proud. Thank you for sharing your thoughts Thank with you. us. Of course. Okay, well, again, welcome back. Father Paul, you get involved in, what was it, brain? What happened? The, the <laughs> with her spirituality. Oh, spirituality and, brain. And, and brain science. And I was yeah. like, oh, I think I missed that class at the medical okay. school. I, I, I must By the way, you're talking about classes. How many, how many degrees do you have right now? That's a good question. I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> well, I, I do have a, the, a theology degree, so so to be a priest. Um, I do have philosophy degree, which is um, a master degree. Uh, I have a THD and and PhD, and and now I'm I'm about to finish my PhD um, from NYU. So I, I think that that's it for now. But does it make me smart? No, no. I just <laughs> pretend to be smart. I and love. You, ha- you I have love a medical degree. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I love reading books. Maybe that's why. But I'm, I, I just only look smart. That, that's it. He's so very smart. I'm, I'm, so spirituality and brain uh, uh, science. I have to go. Something and, new. Yes, I'm gonna buy some books about that. So you know, the problem is right now we're running out of time. I think we got David Kincaid. Oh no! Oh. We gotta go home. It is what it is. Time flies. But yes. I love you, all of you, and and happy happy land time to all of you, uh, to our <laughs> listeners. And 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 uh, radio fan, and especially for Mr. Connor, who who's the one running that <laughs> that that radio. So thank you, and to Beth, Beth uh, and Beth, happy birthday! Ah. Tomorrow big day. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.